Guys, welcome to episode two of SoCal Watch Reviews. My name is Miguel. This is your first time listening. Welcome and thank you so much. I would suggest you go back and listen to episode one if you are interested in knowing a little bit more about me and what this channel is going to be all about. So with that said, this particular episode, I want to focus on something that's just all over social media and that is microbrands. I'm going to be covering five points, uh, mainly design, public versus enthusiast perception, how this affects the big companies, overall build, and finally investment. Yes, you heard that right, investment. I know a lot of people don't like to look at watches as investments, including myself, but there is some truth to it. So with that said, let me uh, let everybody know if you're new into this whole watch world, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what the heck is a microbrand? So I am on Wikipedia. I am reading off their website uh, because I do want to give them credit. And I'm just going to read a brief little paragraph here so you guys understand what this is. In essence, what a microbrand uh, is, is our wristwatches produced by independent watch companies that have an output of about 300 to 2,000 watches per year. I know a lot of these companies don't like to be called microbrands, but that's typically what they are. And microbrands are usually synonymous with the uh, watch industry, that term is. Though it could also be more widely used to describe any small-scale brand that is likely only recognized in a niche of communities among hobbyists. The first microbands debuted in the early to mid-2000s. With the advent of the internet, brands were able to distribute watches directly to consumers with e-commerce without taking on the overhead, usually associated with luxury goods such as retail locations, marketing budgets, and other associated costs. As a result, the prices of microbrand watches are generally significantly lower than luxury tier watches, despite being produced in the same factories. Many brands that started are now considered legacy brands or legacy microbrands within the watch enthusiast community. So there you go, guys. That is kind of the basic definition of what a microbrand uh, is. And yes, this article has it very correct. They hit the nail right on the head when they talk about direct to consumers. And that's something that Seiko, oh my goodness, Seiko is lacking so much in this. I think they're doing a better job now, especially with that whole release of the new Seiko 5 Sports line and kind of creating a buzz through social media. That's awesome. I think they're taking a page out of these little companies and uh, I, I mean as much as I don't like to talk about this company movement definitely did it did a really really good job and that's that's another episode we'll talk about fashion watches in another episode and 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 they are a, were a micro band until they got bought out another pretty big but anyways those guys were marketing genius and uh, I don't like their product personally but I know there's people out there that do but anyways, without further ado, let me give you some examples. There's a ton of microbrands out there, but I'll just give you five of the ones that I keep hearing kind of like the most, right? So like Zellos, Spinnaker, Baltic, Manta, Helios, uh, just to name a few. I mean, there's so many, right? There's so many out there. And uh, can it, let, me, let me jump uh, into one of my first points, and that is the design. So... Uh, I will make a separate episode about this too, and that's homage pieces. How do I feel about 
homage pieces. I don't necessarily like them. I know that it gets to the point where everybody borrows or copies aesthetics or hands or whatever or just different things from different watch companies. I get that because it's really hard to create something unique, though there have been companies that have created something completely unique and everybody in the watch industry either loves it or hates it. But anyways, something that was big in, in these uh, micro brand uh, watches was divers. I mean, everybody and their mom had a dive watch and they were huge. Everybody loves them now. Obviously they're moving into different designs, different aesthetics, but for a long time, guys, dive watches were huge and that's one of the things that I kind of had a gripe against was the design of a lot of these watches because I just felt like I, were, I was looking at another watch company either it would be Rolex or Omega or what have you or Seiko and they, these micro brands were just basically taking aesthetics from here aesthetics from there and I could see it I don't know if some of you watch enthusiasts could see that but I could definitely see it and that's something that really kind of turned me off because I was like, well, if you're trying to look like this other watch, uh, I'd rather get that other watch, right? I mean, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, and I guess just in, in my personal opinion, I'm, I'm kind of biased, right? And I'm kind of against homage watches as much as I want a Rolex. And I talked about it in episode one. I'm not going to get an Invicta. I'm not going to get another watch that mimics the look of that watch because I feel like I'm just wearing it because I want it to look like something else and I'd rather wait save my money and get that particular piece that I want and meanwhile there's just so many different watches with their own unique personality now I do have to give credit to like Zellos this is one of the companies out there they have like meteor meteor uh, dials and I know a lot of people don't like them but I think they're super cool they're super clever and so did Rolex I mean they just released a watch that had that kind of meteor dial and I think it's super super cool it was very different Spinnaker I mean oh my god Spinnaker's everywhere their uh, their designs are not not bad looking designs they're they're okay they're pretty cool I, I really do like what they're doing and I mean I could go into each and every single one of them and really appreciate what they're doing because they are pretty watches they're not i'm not bashing any of them and i'm not necessarily saying for you not to buy a micro brand i'm just saying from my personal perspective i haven't found one that really strikes a chord and says you know what i am gonna buy that watch right and i know a lot of these youtubers uh comment on them and, and say that they love them or that they're great but sometimes it, it, it gets a little a uh, little murky, right? Because it's like, well, you're getting this watch for free. So although you are being transparent and you are saying the negatives and the positives, for the most part, when I see these reviews, there's very few people out there that just completely bash the brand because they know that they're gonna burn that bridge and that company's never gonna send them products. So in a way, uh, as much as you don't like to admit it and I maybe you reviewed one of these watches and nothing nothing against you I I completely agree if I was in that same position where the company sent me a watch or a pen or a tie or a suit or whatever the heck I was reviewing in whatever industry I was in I would feel really bad just saying the truth unless I absolutely hated the product and I'm like you know what I don't care if I burn the bridge with this company and I wanted I don't want anybody else to to do business with them I am going to speak the truth and bash them because uh, again a lot of these videos that I'm seeing are 
speaking highly of these brands different brands and they do talk negatively a little bit but for the most part my takeaway from all these videos is yeah go check them out yeah they're a good watch and and uh, because of that because I am I feel like I'm being influenced by social media I'm very at first when I before I started YouTube I used to believe all this because I didn't know how things operate as it's like oh cool yeah, it must be a good watch but then I started getting into YouTube and I started hearing all these stories and kind of figuring out how companies operate and then that's when I got really turned off but anyways that goes into point number two and then that's public perception versus enthusiast perception so public perception what do I mean by this a lot of people out there don't know any of these watch brands I mean you could walk around well, nowadays I know a lot of people know Audemars Piguet and um, and Patek Philippe because of all the rap songs because of everything that's kind of going on but believe me you walk around with a longa longa one let's just use that as an example you're walking around with this heavy hitting watch and all enthusiasts know what that is right I and mean, your your jaw just hits the floor if you see somebody just randomly in your coffee shop wearing something like that but to a regular person they're not gonna know they're just gonna say oh yeah it's a cool looking watch so what I'm trying to say is that these micro brands a lot of them like I said they look super cool so they're gonna have mass market appeal to just in general public they're they're gonna they're gonna eat this stuff up because they look really cool but us enthusiasts that's when we start looking and nitpicking and saying well wait a minute you know uh, I, I don't know I don't know about that brand and I kind of heard this or oh you know this youtuber reviewed it so I don't like him so I'm not gonna go after that so we as enthusiasts can be very very harsh against this company these companies and I, I kind of feel bad because I know they spend a lot of money uh, with the marketing or with the design and thinking about it and their time so at the end of the day I, I like to look at these companies just uh, outside of watches right just like any other startup company like watching Shark Tank they're putting their livelihood and they invested into this company and I, I do feel bad for bashing them, but at the same time, it's like I, it, it takes me a long time to earn a penny, and for me to be paying three, five, a thousand dollars on these watches, I'd rather spend it elsewhere. So that's kind of my point number two of public versus enthusiast perception. I think um, that's why Vincero, that's why uh, the guys at Movement or MVMT were super successful because their watches were sub $150 if I remember correctly and they had market uh, or that mass market appeal they were quartz watches and they were pretty much I'm sorry to say this garbage but their design was very clever very Bauhausy, uh very clean aesthetic it, it kind of resonated with all these uh, young guys big dials and of course all these fashion bloggers fashion people that have way many more subscribers than any watch channel they were the real influencers for these people now Spinnaker and Zellos and them they really focus more on the watch enthusiasts and I mean I, I, I take my hats off to them because they know how harsh we can be and they have the courage to pretty much do that so that covers basically point number two on my list now a big one for me and this is uh, I don't know this is kind of controversial for some people is how does this affect the big companies so I think the big Patek Philippe's of the world, Audemars Piguet, Rolex, they're laughing. They don't care. Maybe to them it just doesn't affect them, right? But you take a company maybe like Oris, maybe like Longines, 
maybe like Seiko, not Grand Seiko, but Seiko, and maybe because they have the that thousand dollar mark or sub thousand dollar mark, a lot of these companies, micro brands, are coming into this space and shaking things up. These guys were very comfortable for a long time, right? And they were like, hey, we're selling watches, we don't really need to do much, but the new kid on the block comes in and starts shaking things up, then it kind of affects it, right? But it's 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 a good kind of thing. It's just like in sports, not that I watch them or I'm a sports enthusiast, but I know when an athlete or a team gets very comfortable and then all of a sudden you have this young kid out of college and he's rocking and he's rolling and he's good, then you need to step up your game because you got too comfortable for too long. And that's we're spending our money or hard-earned money on something that you're putting out, hey, step up your game. And that's kind of what's happening with Seiko, too. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it with the with the 27 watches that they release. I felt that they felt that, right? And, and that's that's directly, I, I really think the, the line they put out was directly affected by these microbrands because they're like, oh, you know what? You want to play that game? We're going to put 27 different models out there that are gonna appeal to every single person. And by the way, we're gonna put our four R movement in it. Boom, there you go. But Seiko, that just wasn't enough. Um, and I will tell you in a minute why when we go to the overall build. But in my opinion, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that these microbrand watches are out there just because they create diversity and they kind of force some of these other brands to step up their game, whether it be in design and quality build or in marketing because again these people these micro brands are killing it in the marketing department um, and I think a lot of these companies are definitely taking note I know somebody that I a big company that I've admired for a long time and I've seen a lot of hype around it Zodiac I mean I've loved them for a long time I've known about the Seawolf for a long time and I wanted to pick one up I never did but when I saw the what they did with Houdinki right and now with the the GMT version that they're coming out with and they put something for the public hey what's your favorite uh dow combination with the vessel i mean that created a lot of hype a lot of people were retweeting reposting on instagram making youtube videos about it and that is a good thing i love to see brands that have a, a heritage uh come out with things like this and kind of get with the times because they're not and we all know this swiss brands and japanese brands they kind of just kind of stayed in the past and all these other guys are killing it with the marketing um, and, and with the things that they're doing and sending free watches and I mean it's, it's just insane but with that said let me go to the overall build I mean let's be honest guys one of the main turnoffs for me with these micro brands is that a lot of them are using Seiko movements and it's like okay so the watch itself kind of looks like a Rolex but now you're using a Seiko movement and it just kind of confuses me and I'm like, okay, I know a lot of big companies out there use a Salita movement or an ETA or whatever and they're not in-house movements. I get that, but the designs of these big uh, powerhouses um, is their own. They're not copying from anybody else. So that was the main takeaway for me as far as the whole micro brand um, uh, watch line was concerned it was that they were taking these movements and just basically putting an NH movement on a watch and calling it a day. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Seiko's a great company and, and great movements and I, I would love to have that. Uh, now, that's kind of my perception on that. But 
one of the good things that I do like about these micro brands is that they are putting that movement in it, right? It's hacking. You could hand, hand uh, wind that thing. And a lot of these watches are coming out with like sapphire crystals, right? Anti-reflecting sapphire crystals. Some of them are even ceramic and just the quality built are really good. And I'll give you an example of a company that kind of started out as a micro brand and really developed into something different. And that's Christopher Ward. I know um, they, this has been a few years, they developed their uh, own in-house movement. And man, they, they started out as a micro brand and they kind of broke out of that and, and just kind of made it big. So I applaud that brand and I know they've been interviewed by a lot of uh, different outlets out there and everybody that reviews their watches speaks very highly of them. Now, they're not inexpensive, of course, and in that $1,000 range. Now, if I was gonna have that kind of money, I personally will probably go with an Oris just because of their history, their design. I just I just love them a little bit more. But that's just an example of a micro brand that kind of, micro brand, I'm sorry, that kind of broke out of the mold and uh and yeah that's that's kind of the overall build i know you can find a lot of cool watches out there the pvd coated or like i said with the zellos i mean they have really cool dials that's very unique and the overall build on these things is is solid you're getting a solid watch and you know it's going to last a long time because it has a reliable movement in it so that's that's pretty cool and also their packaging a lot of them have come with really cool packaging they give you extra straps uh, and then they put a lot of thought into their brand. So the overall build on these things, for the most part, is good. Now, let me get into my last uh, point, which is an investment. Now, I hate to talk about investment pieces because you, I'm not a financial planner by any stretch of the imagination, but we all know, obviously, right now, Rolex is king. Anybody that owns a Rolex, anybody that bought a Rolex before and kept their sports models, they're definitely worth some kind of money and you could sell them and pay off your college, your kid's college tuition pretty much. Um, but with that said, you need to be very careful and here is why. So Kickstarter is a big platform for these companies to start their businesses. Well, there's a lot of shady companies out there that really just wanna make a quick buck and they just start these things and they do a horrible job uh, of putting this watch together and sure they send some to youtubers and again going back to them kind of not being transparent about it or even if they are being transparent about it they don't get to keep this watch for 10 years they don't know how it's going to perform so these watch companies come in and they're kind of fly-by-night companies uh and they put out one model and disappear maybe they put out two models and just kind of disappear so that's something that i would really tell people to kind of be uh, very cautious uh, about uh, also, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, I prefer uh, dealing with companies with heritage. I love to see the Omega stories, right? I know they kind of talk about the Moonwatch every opportunity they have, but it's cool. I, I really do appreciate that. Or Rolex about their Oyster case and the history and Patek Philippe and Audemars Piguet. I appreciate that. I appreciate that history. And unfortunately, the, a lot of these companies don't have that history. Right, it's just like they don't, they just don't. I know uh, Bramont, I don't know if that's considered a micro brand or not, but their story of how they started and the, they landed in a field and I don't know what, I don't know how I feel about that. But anyways, that, that's just my opinion on that. So I just really recommend everybody just kind of doing your homework. And to be honest with you, I mean, like I know there's a ton of like spinnakers kind of floating around in the internet and uh, 
Yeah, if you want to pick one up, I mean, they look like great watches. Never actually held one in the metal. As a matter of fact, I've never held any of these micro brands in the metal. So that's why I'm not kind of giving my opinion on a particular brand. I'm just going on aesthetics. I'm just going on spec sheets that I that I see or the spec specifications on these guys. But uh, that's just kind of my take on these micro brands. And uh, as an overall investment, to be honest with you, that's why I spend my money with let's say Seiko it's my favorite brand and there's a good reason for it they're huge everywhere not just in Japan and I know that everybody borrows a movement from them or not borrows but buys a movement from them so that should tell you something if somebody appreciates another brand that much I'd rather just go to that brand and say you know what I really love what you're doing and now I'm saying that wearing my Seiko SKX double and staring at this thing and saying you know what this is a very unique design. The movement is an in-house movement. It's like, why would I be wanting to buy another watch that looks like something else and it has a sake movement? Anyways, I'm just kind of repeating myself, but that is my take on micro brand watches. I wanted to keep it short. I don't want to keep repeating myself. I just wanted to make this podcast so you guys uh, know that. If you have any comments, please leave them below. I will post this on YouTube. I, of course, different platforms. Uh, they'll be available. Um, I know Spotify and also Anchor. I'm still working on the other platforms like iTunes and uh, Google. I don't know what's taking so long, but I'm waiting to hear back from them. So thank you so much for the support. I know uh, I have a, a few good friends out there in the industry that have supported me through all this time. You know who you are, and I do have some very exciting episodes coming soon, you guys. I'm gonna have a very special guest uh, coming very, very soon, kind of working out the logistics of how this whole podcast thing works, but I'm definitely very excited to introduce him to my uh, channel, uh, both on YouTube and on my podcast. And I think you guys are gonna be super surprised. Um, he is actually a collector of watches as well, just like every single one of us, but he likes Invicta. In addition to that, he also likes um, that watch gang. I'm sorry if I'm not too familiar with them. I know you pay money every single month and you get a watch. So he is a, a member of that and has been, I think, for a while. So uh, I'm going to be talking to him, kind of, I'm going to let him introduce himself, tell his story, and we're going to go into that specific thing. What is it about Invicta watches that he likes uh, and what he thinks about people kind of bashing them? And in addition to that, watch gang, uh, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him just, well, why does he do that? Why doesn't he save his money and buy bigger, more expensive pieces? And uh, yeah, so anyways, if you get a chance to check him out, I'll give you his name, Ross Riz Watch Love. So Ross, uh, he's on YouTube, just like me. He doesn't have many subscribers, but he's putting out good content and uh, he's been on there for a while. I know he recently made a video, What Makes a Watch Trash? And he just kind of opened his heart and people are very, very harsh against his Invicta collection. And uh, I know how most watch enthusiasts feel about that, but I don't think it's fair and I don't think it's cool for anybody to bash anybody else's collection just based on what they like. 
So with that said, he will be coming on the channel very soon and go on the podcast and we're going to interview him, ask him a few questions. So if that sounds interesting to you, please stick around. We do have more episodes coming up. Uh, and my goal is to at least put one episode out a week and I will be bringing more watch related content to you and I do want to go back also to the whole watch news one of the big things for me before we close here is Snoopy I love Snoopy and especially the Omega Snoopy it's been one of my grails for a long time I know Undone came out with their own Snoopy uh, edition and then also Timex just came out with a few very cool uh, Snoopy editions on the dial this is the Snoopy's on the dial and you could pick them up very inexpensively I think they start off like in the 60s if I remember correctly and they go up to like 150 180 or something like that Timex of course being one of those very reliable watches and I know people think they're cheap yes they are inexpensive but they're not the, the quality built is not cheap on those watches they're actually really good watches so anyways to see Snoopy on that uh, on those watches and actually be able to afford it was very cool and as many as you know or some of you don't know NASA does have that Snoopy award for the astronauts that went to into outer space and they gave them the award so of course uh, Omega jumped all over that and made two watches two Snoopy watches that now trade for twenty plus thousand dollars so that's pretty hard to get so if you get a chance you love Snoopy like I do uh, I highly recommend either Undone or Timex and I know there's probably some other companies out there but the big thing right now was Timex they just released it so I was very excited to see that so yeah if you get a chance go to their website check them out pick one up if, if you like uh, but yeah with that said I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to me speak and talk about watches and if you like this episode and you're watching on YouTube please comment like subscribe and if you're listening to the podcast please subscribe so you can listen to the other episodes and as always my friends remember stay humble